Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. Wow, God, you are so good. <laughs> Before I speak on what the Holy Spirit pressed on my heart to share, I wanna give God the glory for most of my life, I was full of pain and anguish because of verbal abuse. I was told that my voice should be silent. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Can I get an amen? <laughs> As I surrendered to him, trusting in him, allowing him to heal areas that seemed so broken, he began working in power, and I am no longer a slave to fear. Hallelujah. <laughs> I also want to honor someone who listened to the Holy Spirit and noticed my bondage. She bravely climbed into the muck and the mud to walk alongside of me. In my pain, I hurt her. Still, she remained steadfast. In my anguish, I tested her to the limit of her patience. My dear friend Tammy, who's here tonight, she's over there. <laughs> She never abandoned me, never lost hope in me. She saw the gold under the layers and layers of grime. Me speaking tonight is a legacy to Tammy's faithfulness in seeking after the one lost in the wilderness. So thank you, Tammy, for helping me find my voice, for helping me find my voice in Christ. It's about the one in the wilderness, y'all, I'm telling you. So tonight's topic is not easy to talk about in church, but God does not call us into himself for an easier life. He does not call us into the comfortable. He calls us instead into the uncomfortable. Tonight, I will be talking about fear and anxiety. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to renew our minds as we tackle this together. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are here. Father, thank you for your steadfast love. I pray as we chew on a topic that is, affects so many, that your Holy Spirit would brush off the dust, renew, and give us revelation of what you want to move in our lives, God. You are not, you did not call us to be weak and silent. You have called us to be bold and powerful, God. May your name be praised among all other names, Father, forever and ever. Amen. For those taking notes, the title of my message is Fear on Fire. Fear on Fire. Huge shout out to Kelsey for actually working in the back, background and like putting all it together because I'm not a tech person at all. <laughs> So we're going to start in 1 Peter 5, 7. But most of tonight, we will be in Matthew 6, 24, and 34. Now, I typically don't use the message, but it's worded in a way I believe that will shake off some dust. Okay. And if you don't usually take notes, you're going to want to start tonight. I'm an educator. Y'all should be taking notes. <laughs> we're going to be covering a lot of ground because fear and anxiety seems to have wrapped this world around its fingers and it ticks me off. However, 
as the world gets darker, we are called to be flames of hope in a very hopeless world. Y'all ready? Today's anxiety is the most common mental health concern in the United States. Over 40 million adults, that's roughly 19%, have a diagnosed anxiety disorder. Between the ages of 13 and 18, that's the youth, y'all, that percentage jumps to a staggering 32% and it's climbing. You can't tell me that the work, the enemy, the work of the enemy is not there. I wanna acknowledge something quick. Anxiety has many layers. If you listen to all this tonight and come up to me saying, you don't understand my life, you don't understand my situation, I don't. I don't understand your situation, but I know who does. I know someone that knows about your anxiety intimately and that he died and he bled for it. I encourage you to chew on the words you hear tonight as the light at the end of a tunnel. Are you hearing me, people? <laughs> totally stole that from Adrienne. She don't mind. It's safe to say that we're all too familiar with the command in 1 Peter 5, 7. Y'all know it. That says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. It's on t-shirts, mugs, and bumper stickers. We memorize it as children and hear it spoken from the stage all too often. So much so when I'm drowning in anxiety and anxious thoughts, I struggle to even comprehend the action of giving my worries and cares to God. In my fear, I scoff at the simplicity of the words. But I'm also a lover of words. I love to dive deep into words, to pick apart the Latin and the Greek, because I desire to understand the deeper meaning of the context of the word. So I got a few we're gonna chew on tonight. Y'all ready? ready? Told you you should be writing notes because we're gonna be taking a lot of them. <laughs> the verse is asking believers to give God our mirmna. I think it's up there. Kelsey's on it. I trust her. She's awesome. So I was up there. Mirmna. Mirmna is our anxieties and worries. When we are in this state of worry or anxiety, it's, it's, it's referred to as mirmano. Mirmano is when we are occupied with something or dwell upon something as a habit of life. As a habit of life. Let that just simmer for a minute. Put a pin in it because we're going to circle back to these words. Scripture says we will have many trials in this life on earth. This includes worry, doubt, anxiety, and fear. It's not an if, it's when. It's being constantly occupied with it. Our mirmano as humans, our habit of life. Anxiety is not a new modern problem. I'm just going to kick that right out because I feel like everyone's like, it's new. No, it's not. The medical condition we now know as anxiety disorder wasn't diagnosed until the 1980s. It wasn't that long ago. I was born in 1983, baby. The 80s were great. Before that, Panophobia was a term used in the 1800s to describe someone suffering from panic attacks or nerves. Panophobia. Phobia is widely known to be the root word of fear. We all pretty much know that. The word pano is roughly translated as everything. Can everyone say everything? <laughs> you guys are great students, man. <laughs> 
So when we break down the word anxiety or panophobia, it can be interpreted as the fear of everything. When we break down the word pano, this is when I get, my nerd brain just gets really excited. <laughs> yeah, I get really excited. The word pan or pan, pano, the word pan comes from the Greek mythology of a god, little g, not big g, who inspires fear. Pan was associated with the wild, with multiplying and changing form. He is the one that we get the word panic from because of his loud outcry or sudden acts of fear. Interesting how we have the term panic attacks. I find that very interesting. Like I said, anxiety is not a modern problem. In Matthew 6, 24, begins with, you can't worship two gods at once. Let me say that again. You can't worship two gods at once. God created us humans to having the capacity to serve only one master. By loving one God, we end up hating the other. I love how the message says this. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. When we, you want to say it again? <laughs> Adoration of one feeds contempt, contempt for the other. When we feed our anxiety, we grow in contempt for our God. Remember the Mirna and the Mirmano? Mirzo is the root of both those words that literally means to divide or to separate. Are you connecting the dots with me? Are you guys with me? Are you following me? Okay. We were created with the capacity to serve one master. We are unable to serve both. We will have a divide in our spirit as we struggle to serve both our Lord and Pan. Fear, worry, and anxiety divide our attention, our worship, our esteem. Fear and worry and anxiety divide our attention, our worship, and our esteem. Now in this verse, it says you can't worship God and money both. It's easy to say, I don't worship money, how it just rolls off the tongue. But do we worship or treasure our provision, our financial stability? It's not wrong to have a goal to be balanced, but what about when God is calling us to a lower paying job to serve him more? What if a job falls through, but he is working in the background to bring you provision to build kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven through a miracle? We cannot be split-minded when we face trials. And y'all, we're just on the first verse. Kelsey teased me. She goes, we're going to be here all night. <laughs> it's good though. We're with me. Verse 25 in Chani 6 continues saying, if you decide for God living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outward appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description. Careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. We've all been there, worrying about a million things all at once. Here's the thing. Anxiety is living out the future before it gets here. 
It's the fear of tomorrow that paralyzes us, drains us, and distracts us from what we confidently know about God. Let me say it again. It is the fear of tomorrow that paralyzes us, drains us, and distracts us from what we confidently know about God. Think of it this way. Anxiety is like a light on the dashboard. Anxiety is a signal of a malfunctioning faith. Let me say that again. Anxiety is like a signal of a malfunctioning faith. We've already established the truth about worry and worship cannot exist together in the same heart. It's the decision. We just read, if you decide living a God worship, God demands all, forsaking all else and all others. If the Lord faithfully provides for the needs of the birds, how much more will he provide for us as his children? Are we not more precious to him than birds? Is he not worthy of our trust? I love how the message spells it out in verse 27 and 28, saying, has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? Do you want me to... Do you want me to read that again? Because <laughs> if it takes you three hours in the mirror, okay, just got real quiet in here. <laughs> All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes any, that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. We've talked about the fact that we don't have the capacity to serve two masters. We've talked about money, our provision, our necessities of life. Of course, we're going to wrestle with that until we take off this earth suit and meet him in glory, hallelujah. It makes sense in our human brains, right? But here I'm thinking it's turning the tables on something and it might sting a little. You all ready? What divides your attention when it concerns yourself? In other words, whose opinion matters more to you? I know it might sound crazy, but bear with me. I think it's calling out our fear about being rejected by mankind and the rejection of ourselves. The need for approval to be liked, to be seen, to be validated, it's woven into our DNAs, DNA as humans this desire to be embraced by others. I'm a people person. I love to be around people and be embraced by people. It's when we focus so much of our attention on ourselves that we begin to doubt who we are and whose we are. It's standing in front of the mirror and rejecting God's creation. I remember a time when I did not know who I was or who I was. I was lost and confused, drowning in a black sea of anxiety and fear. I rejected the idea that I was loved and cherished by a holy, perfect father because how could he love me when my earthly father told me I was unlovable and worthless? Fear and anxiety's voice were a soothing comfort when they began to weave lives into my young 12-year-old mind to take my own life. I was so immersed in such lives that I believed I'm just a wildflower. Can you believe it? I actually said, I'm just a wildflower. 
Tammy's a testament to that. She's like, that's true. That's so true. I was like, nobody wants to hear me. My voice was silenced. Do you see how that this is having a divided mind? Is that not being confused and distracted because our focus shifts off of him and onto fear? See, for me, anxiety and fear interchange with each other. I think the world tries to separate it. Anxiety is a word that branches off the ugly word of fear. Fear sinks its fangs into us, pouring its venom into us to confuse and cloud our focus. Here's a freebie. Did y'all know that one in eight people today suffer from social anxiety? How many people are in this room? I'm not good at math, (laughs) but there's a good chunk of us that have social anxiety. Do you think God created us with a spirit of fear? Wow, two people. (laughs) Should I have said like, okay, so now I'm a teacher. We need to respond. (laughs) I said, do you think God created us with a spirit of fear? Scripture says God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Matthew 6 continues saying, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you? Do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, I'm going to sit for a little bit and just let that marinate. Jesus established the fact that worry is illogical for a child of God. It's illogical. Okay, I have a, I have a very vulnerable story I need to share. Share. It's amazing. I can laugh about it now, but at the time, it was not funny. So, when I was first learning to drive, I was terrified. I was so full of fear that I would have a panic attack if I went down a street I didn't know. One time I was driving with Tammy and Tammy told me to turn down a road that was close to her house. Do you think I did it? No, I freaked out. Literally lost it in my car with her. True story. In my fear, I did not trust her, my best friend. I didn't trust that she was telling me that the streets were connected. Instead, I clung to my fear. It was illogical. Logic is defined as the Greek word logos, which can mean truth or an account. In that moment, I didn't trust Tammy's account or the truth of what I know of my best friend, that she would not lead me into danger. Fear goes against what we know of the account of God the Father and the truth we know of his character. Let me say that again. Fear goes against what we know of the account of God the Father, and the truth we know of his character. God is the creator of everything, including us. Then he will also provide for our needs. Faith calls us into trusting in a loving and personal God. Worry lacks trust. We are so divided and distracted that when we are more concerned about getting than God's giving... One quote I found defined anxiety as a small trickle of fear that meanders through your mind until it cuts 
a channel into which all other thoughts drain. That was from Our Daily Bread, by the way. (laughs) The ODB, baby. One tiny thought of doubting God's giving nature and we are in danger of creating a channel so that the floodgates of confusion can flow without any barriers. That's dangerous. Matthew 6 continues on by saying, people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. I'm gonna say that again, because that's deep. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. That sure sounds like a promise to me. It should not surprise us that those who don't believe are crippled with fear and anxiety. Therapy is an amazing resource, but it does not replace God's power. We as believers should know God's character and how he works. Time and time again, God shows up during doubt and fear. King Jehoshaphat, one of my favorite dudes in the Bible, had a massive army coming straight at him. He gathered up his people and he prayed and he fasted. Then God delivered them out of the hands of the enemy. Actually, crazy story. They all started fighting each other and killing each other. Put a pin in that, read it later. (laughs) It's a great story. I love that story. Naomi lost everything, was consumed with grief and fear, told her daughter-in-laws to turn back and leave her to die on the side of the road. God showed up and gave her a profound legacy through Ruth. Esther walked into a throne room, trembling in fear after days of fasting and praying to save her people from destruction. God showed up and delivered the entire population from genocide. We know our God. It's the surrendering in the uncomfortable as we wrestle with fear. We acknowledge fear, we acknowledge anxiety, but we are not defined by it. In education, we talk about person-first language. (laughs) Kelsey was super excited about this because she's very passionate about this. It sounds so small, but if you pay attention, there's identity woven into the words. We need to get this burned inside of us that there is a distinction between being an anxious believer and a believer wrestling with anxiety. Did you hear the difference? I am not an anxious believer. I'm a believer who wrestles with anxious thoughts, who is blood-bought, who stands on the promises of God. He is our fierce protector. He fights our battles for us. When we hand them to him, there's an action. We can trust him because he has already won. Does that not burn a fire within you, within your spirit? To know that our God is fighting for us regardless of the outcome. It just pumps me up, man. I tell you. And all this wraps up in verse 34 saying, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Mm. Anxiety is a restless, body-numbing fear 
of hypothetical loss, an issue of desiring to over control our circumstances. I'm going to say that again because anxiety is a restless, body numbing fear of hypothetical loss, an issue of desiring to over control our circumstances. It takes our eyes off God and onto the problem or lack. John Newton, does everybody, please tell me you know about John Newton. If you don't, write his name down. <laughs> John Newton was his testimony, man, I tell you. He actually wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, if you don't know him. He said, we are prone to fix our attention on the immediate or second causes of events. In modern language, in the hypothetical. So we are prone to fix our attention on the immediate or second causes of events, forgetting that whatever befalls us is according to his purpose. Y'all ready for some practical application? I'm a teacher, I gotta bring that out, you know? Get your pens ready. Ask these questions when the anxiety trickles in like a stream in your mind to split your attention of God's character. Y'all got your pens ready? The first question, am I worried about physical needs or spiritual needs? When we worry about where our provision is coming from, it causes us to be distracted, which hinders our focus on being intimate with the Father. Is your prayers turning into long laundry lists of getting instead of praising and waiting in anticipation for God's giving? Second question, is my anxiety producing inner turmoil or conflicts with others? There's nothing wrong with Martha wanting to prepare an amazing meal for Jesus, but she allowed her anxiety to spill over to complain to Jesus about her sister. And in short, she was reminded of priorities. So does my anxiety produce inner turmoil or conf conflicts with others? Third question, am I worried about tomorrow that I am paralyzed for today? That's a hard one, at least for me. We can only act in the present as believers, we place our faith in our creator who has determined our future. Last question. Am I worried about something I cannot control? Healthy concern leads to action. Let me say that again. Healthy concern leads to action. We care about someone, we spring into action to help. But worry is like wheels spinning on ice, going nowhere in a hurry. We accomplish nothing. Our emotion screams, it all depends on me, because we have yanked the control into our hands and now are stuck in the same place. Left to stew over something we cannot control, the truth is it all depends on God and not us. Can I get an amen? Okay. So good. So good. And actually, if the worship team doesn't mind coming up, because I got a little bit more to go, but I know you guys need to prep. The distraction or temptation of fear and anxiety 
is not sinful. It's what we do with it that matters. Philippians 4, 6 in the message says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness. Everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. In that verse, how Philippians 4, 6 says, wholeness, everything coming together. Does that sound like a divided heart? Not at all. Because we choose to shape our worries into prayers. It's an invitation to prayer and intimacy with God. It's when we feel anxious. We let God, our creator in how we're feeling. We don't hide it. We don't ignore it or pretend that everything is peachy keen. We don't spew it into every conversation as we hyperfixate on our fear. We're invited to acknowledge those thoughts and pray for his peace. We are called into community to seek accountability. If I didn't have Tammy telling me to stop talking about it, I would not be standing here. <laughs> I don't know how many times she goes, I'm not talking about this anymore with you. <laughs> but we need that in community. We need somebody to go, you are saturated in fear right now. And you need, I can pray with you, but you have to do it for yourself. Mm. Tonight, we are invited to write our burdens down. I wrote mine down during worship because everyone comes in them. The anxieties, the fears that press into our thoughts, we are called to be a burning people. I invite you as we go into our last portion of worship to light those fears on fire. Literally, we're going to light them on fire. <laughs> I'm a visual person, right? But it's not about the theatrics. It's about action to set fire to our fears as aroma of sacrifice to him. We have buckets to drop it in as we enter his throne room, knowing the account of the character of God. Are we called to be a people full of anxiety and fearful? Or are we called to be victorious because he dwells within us? Yes or no? <laughs> I'll say it again. <laughs> are we called to be a people full of anxiety and fearful? Or are we called to be victorious because we he dwells within us? I ask that everyone would stand and repeat with me the characters of God as we prepare our hearts and ask the Holy Spirit to do His will in our lives. So repeat after me. When I am lost, He is my way. You can say it louder too. I'm just saying. When I'm afraid, he is my courage. When I stumble, he will steady me. When I am hurt, he will heal me. When I am broken, he will mend me. When I am blind, 
He will lead me. When I face trials, He is with me. When I am persecuted, He shields me. When I face problems, He comforts me. When I face loss, He will provide for me. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, every time. Every time.